0: Men, Welcome to the Nobleman Podcast, episode number 49. We are starting a new series right now. Uh, in January, we talked about why should we reach men. In February, we talked about what men are looking for and now as we move into march we're talking about how do we reach men and i've got on the call with me today a friend from baton rouge louisiana who's going to talk with us about how his ministry is reaching men and uh and what's going on with uh with the kingdom group international so welcome elmo winters glad to have you with us
1: thank you very much mike it's our blessing to be with you today
0: you know i i love you brother we have served together on the board of the national Co- uh, coalition of ministries to men for a few years we gotten to know each other and um i'm just thankful for the wisdom and the discernment that you brought to that group while i was serving with that group of guys it's uh it was always fun to be on those calls together as the board members
1: Amen. Still look forward to those comments with the great group of guys that we still have on the board. And we're just so blessed, Mike, that God is opening doors and giving us an opportunity to share with all what he is doing through our ministry
0: Uh, amen hey listen so the kingdom group i'm going to start off with this the kingdom group international is what you are pouring yourself into currently it's what god has you doing right now yes but you've got a decades-long history of gospel ministry and so, tell us. I, I think you've pastored and planted churches, and so, so give us a little bit of Elmo's background and what you've, what God's had you doing in the past.
1: Well, Mike, I call it a tremendous journey that I've been on. I've been in ministry for over forty-three, nearly forty-four years, and yes, we have been blessed to uh, be a church planter where we planted churches in Russia and spent time training pastors in Kenya. In Mexico, it has really been a tremendous uh, expedition, I would call it. I have uh, planted several churches here in Baton Rouge where we live, taught in a Bible institute. I have been a hospice chaplain, and I could go on and on and on. But uh, a few years ago, Mike, I called myself retiring from being an interim pastor of a local church. And it seems as if that's when my life really took off. (laughs) Uh, retirement is a really cruel joke because there's no such thing as retirement in ministry.
0: Well, you know what? As you're telling, sharing all of that, the the word that comes to mind is available and obedient. So, so maybe two words. And um, I think God wants that from all of us, wherever we are in life. Are you available? to do what I may call you to, and then after I call you, will you be obedient to respond to it? And it sounds like that uh, part of Elmo's ethos, if you will, has been to be available and obedient to the King's service.
1: Amen, Mike, what I've also managed to do is enjoy the ride. <laughs> uh, this has been such, and I tell people all the time, I brag on God, not on me, I've had such a blessed life, Yeah, I just thank God for what He's done. With a kid who came out of nowhere that he was able to use.
0: Now, are you originally from Baton Rouge?
1: Yes. I grew up here. I'm a product of the 50s and the 60s. So I've seen and experienced a lot of things over the years. Right. And I'm just thankful that those things God has allowed me to experience, he's using today to better our world.
0: There you go. Tell me about the Kingdom Group International and what your mission is and what's, what's going on with that. What are you guys doing for the kingdom?
1: In June 2014, the Kingdom Group International was birthed, and our goal then was just to train churches, train individuals in the area of evangelism. Right. I had just finished a book uh, entitled Growing by Going, so we were out doing seminars, doing retreats, teaching people how to lead people to Christ. 2016 came about and we had our version of the George Floyd event in our area Mm -hmm. where a black man was killed in the process of being arrested by a white police officer. And it set our city on fire, not literally, but there was unrest. The sad thing, Mike, we realized is that the church, many of the churches, many of the individuals, the clergy did not seem to have an answer for this unrest. And from that point, actually in February 2017, we came up with what we believe was a process, a program to help people get through the difficulties of racial, cultural, uh, ethnicity unrest. So that's where we are today. That's what we, we promote today, what we focus on is working to tear down all the barriers that divide us and build bridges that brings us together.
0: So now, our, so our theme is, how do we reach men? Do you find that men are hungry for that? Or is it something that, that guys would rather walk around?
1: I find that, that many guys really want to engage yeah. in what we have going on in our nation. But too often, they do not know how. There you uh, go. What we have been able to do is fill the void of helping guys, especially uh, uh, Caucasians and people that are not a part of the minority group, help them learn how to engage and uh, understand and work together and form relationships. That's what's so very important.
0: You know, I love the fact that you are saying that. And even – I, I Elmo, I think you're even teaching a principle that is of course racial reconciliation is a critical issue for us right now and and it continues to be but there's so many areas where guys would say I sense the need to do something here but I don't know how and so to help a guy move to a place where he knows he needs to be but doesn't know how to get there, is just a huge gift to men. And so you're doing that in this racial reconciliation space because I, I know a lot of guys who, you know, they hear, I need to have some friends who don't look like me. I need to have some uh-huh. friends who who don't think like me. But they don't know how to establish those relationships and begin to have those conversations. And it's for mutual enlightenment. I mean, it's it's God honors that but how do we get there so what what's the what's the secret that you're using to break down the barriers and build the bridges how how are you doing that how are you helping men in that regard
1: well mike actually i would not say it's a secret it's what god has given us as his plan and you know in the book i wrote uh, overcoming racial and cultural barriers to disciple men very simple man's book we shared several points on how to do this, but I'm going to tell you one thing that's most important that we are using. We are providing a safe space for men to come together and have meaningful dialogue. Right. By that, I mean coming to a place where the goal is not to talk, but the goal is to listen. And Mike, you and I have the relationship that we have today because uh, we came together, we interacted we listen to one another. And as we listen, we learned about one another. That's what's so very important. Uh, Many people are operating in this kind of innocent type of ignorance, where they just don't know. But if they can sit with people and just listen to their stories, then they can learn why there's so much anger. There's so much um, mistrust. There's so much um, anxiety and things going on among people groups
0: yeah because we have a tendency I, I i don't care how holy you are we all look at situations and individuals and circumstances and we make assumptions and Absolutely. If, if we aren't careful then those assumptions can take us to wrong places um and we can have some broken thinking about uh, people circumstances situations but until you know the backstory. story then right. once you do, you have a better understanding of why someone feels the way they do, why they view things the way that they do. Um, yes. And, and so it really, but it it's hard. It, it's almost so many things in ministry. I equate to the middle school dance where the, the boys are on one side and the girls are on one side and, they, and and they really want to dance, but somebody has to break the ice and get yes. out there and and invite them to the middle so that they can interact with each other. And so we do see this with the, the racial tension in our culture. I, um, You know, there are lots of cities across our country that have had a George Floyd-like moment. Yes. And and so yes. the tension just kind of boils up and boils over. H- how do you start these conversations? How do you get men to the table so that they can have these conversations that they— I believe in their heart feel like they need to have and want to have, but don't know how to get there. So what, what are you doing to invite them to that moment?
1: Our biggest and most successful uh, program event we have is called the men's unity breakfast. It is a breakfast. It is an actual event where men have fellowship around a meal and we ask our hosts, to prepare a simple breakfast meal and not let the meal be where the emphasis go, but just set a safe space. Men sit together around tables, diverse groups of guys sit together, have fellowship. Then they go into a time of discussing very um, tough questions after having an opportunity to share their stories. Every man is allowed to share his stories. And some of these stories are just unbelievable. Right. You understand why people don't trust one another. You understand why people don't have this uh, interactions going on, even when they work together and so on. So we give them an opportunity to discuss their past, talk about where they've come from. And you will be surprised how that little light just kind of goes on in people's lives when they understand This guy's experienced some really tragic events in his life where he's been discriminated against. He's been held back or uh, other people who are saying they have been falsely accused of being racist and how that makes them feel. We have to get to a point of having honest, open dialogue.
0: And what you started this with is that we have to listen before we speak. Um, I I think we're in a culture where people want to be heard and not to hear. But, yes. but that takes some that takes some discipline to be able yes. to uh, let me just be quiet we almost have to let me just be quiet mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. hear this brother's heart and hear his story and seek to understand him that uh that may take some coaching
1: it will it does and that's one of the things that we do we have a, we have workshops that we work with people and one part of it has to do with confronting your ignorance yeah and this is where we help people understand you know, as a person, a white person, you don't understand what is being heard when you say things like, "I don't see color." Yeah. Now I understand what you're trying to say, right. but it's not coming across that way. So we help people to say actually how you feel without being offensive, uh, being uh, divisive, and that just takes time. Working together. You become more accustomed to how to reach out to someone else, but you got to start off by listening.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, I love the fact that you call it the men's unity breakfast. I, I'll be honest with you, reconciliation is a biblical term, and That's so, right. you know, as a matter of fact, I, I want to make sure that we talk about ultimately our reconciliation ministry is to reconcile people to Jesus. Um, Correct. It, it But reconciliation comes as a loaded term sometimes in situations like this. But when you use the term men's unity breakfast, boy, that's a biblical term too. And Jesus in John 17, the high priestly prayer, prayed for our unity over and over again. The yes. unity of the body is critical. And um, so if we're going to follow Jesus, then we have to work toward that unity. And so you're just inviting people to a biblical experience to be obedient and responsive to to Jesus prayer to yes. um to see God answer Jesus prayer in our
1: lives. Yes. One of the things that people have a question is why is this limited to men? Yeah. And it's really not. It's initially our goal our target is to reach men because we're convinced that men are God's change agents. Mm. We believe God has called men. He's designed us to lead. Right. And what we're doing actually is hopefully inspiring men to take your rightful place as the leader in your home, the leader in your community, the leader in your church. So it's almost a dual um, a goal that we have here. We want men to – one of the, the things, one of the words we use is headship. We want men to get comfortable with being – the head, being the example, being the role model that God has made you. Teach your sons and daughters, teach your family that we are one in Christ. That's what's so very important.
0: And one of the key ways that we do that is by setting an example of, with humility, seeking to fill the gaps uh, for things that we don't understand or don't know fully. We, We need to avail ourselves to people who have wisdom that we don't have.
1: Absolutely. I agree totally with you.
0: So we can model that for our families and initiate that sort of behavior so that they see us seeking to learn. You know, one of the things that challenges me is if we as and and I think about myself in a role as a father, if I want my sons to think that I am the one who knows everything and all that they're going to learn, they have to learn from me. Well, I'm inviting them to the same level of ignorance and foolishness that I have, not not to something greater. So I I have a responsibility to try to expand their horizons in a helpful and holy way.
1: Absolutely. One of the great joys we have seen, especially in the most recent live event of the Men's Unity Breakfast, was actually three generations of men. Mm. Uh, uh, And it was wonderful to see a dad sitting there with his sons and with his father, sitting at the table, sharing their stories and listening to the stories of others, and asking questions and sharing their opinions. Yeah. So, what a great way to teach.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it, so it makes me think that, you know, the strategy that you are employing, Elmo, with the, with the Men's Unity Breakfast is the same sort of thing that we need to be doing with intergenerational ministry. Um, Absolutely. Because I think younger folks want to learn from older folks. They just don't know how to say it. And older folks (laughs) often will look at at someone younger and say, wow, if if I had known at 16 what I now know at 45, (laughs) um, I'd love to tell this young man what I've learned and share some wisdom. But again, we're back to the middle school dance where they don't know how to (laughs) get together. So, uh, you know, even the strategy that you're using where you come to the table and and invite people to tell their stories, creates uh that is a useful strategy even beyond uh trying to get racial I- reconciliation going
1: absolutely it's just amazing when you start hearing the stories and one of the great advantages i have when we have live events is i'm mobile so i'm able to pop from one table to the other to the other and uh just listen to some of the stories and watch the men and their reactions yeah and their expressions it is it's a work of art. It's just so beautiful what God is doing.
0: So tell me a story about someone that you have seen um, have their understanding of someone from another culture and their uh, uh, appreciation for someone else's experience or story. Can you, can you think of it as an example where someone said, wow, I had no idea, and it changed the way they act or think or react to another image bearer? Let, 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 let's throw this on the table. We're talking about other human beings, folks who bear the image of Almighty God, Imago Dei. Yes. Um, and, and so we have to have that at our core. Um, so to, give me a story, an example of someone who had an epiphany where you saw that light bulb come on.
1: Occasionally we will give the men an opportunity to share a testimony. And one of the ones that's blessed me was a gentleman I've known for a while, but he has... come from an area that was really racially divided. And uh, he stood before the group and shared with them how his thinking has started to really change as he interacted with people from other people groups. He said, I grew up in an area at a time when I was taught that you do not have anything to do with them. It was always us versus them. Now, he was a Caucasian brother and he said, I was taught that at your best, just try to avoid any um, uh, activities with them and stay with us, your own kind. Right. And I'm going to tell you, I've heard a lot of that as I was growing up as well. But he said, since I've been coming to the Unity Breakfast, I've found out that I was taught wrongly hmm. and that there is no such thing as them versus us. It's all of us. And what he had learned in a very short time, this was early on in our events, He had learned in a very short time that, you know, we're all of the same. Maybe the melanin is a little different on the outside. Uh, My tan is really, really great that I have. It's a (laughs) permanent one. On the inside, uh, we we experience the same emotions. We experience the same events in our lives. And that's what you learn is that really there is no difference. Go ahead. Uh, There's one other that really. I think about often we had uh, the very first event was February 2016. And there were two men there who did not know anything about one another. And uh, they were looking to develop a relationship with somebody who did not look like them. Uh, These two men have become real brothers. You do not ever hardly see one without seeing the other. They have traveled internationally together, they worship together, their families come together. They are opposed to children for what we're doing. Thank God for that.
0: Absolutely. Amen. And and so they have begun to focus on what they have in common rather than what they would disagree on. And I yes. I, I think our culture Um, And sometimes even in the church, I mean, the church is complicit with some with some challenges here. Yes. If we keep pointing out how we're different and that's all we focus on, then we're never going to get around to uh, finding some common ground. I I mentioned it in a a prayer with you earlier that I've got a friend who says we've got to find some common ground so we can move to higher ground. And boy, if we will focus on how can I relate to you? What what do we have in common? Um, What do we agree on? And especially as followers of Jesus, man, that that is, we're citizens of the same kingdom. Amen. And we need to start acting like it sometimes. And, um, you know, you've got some wisdom that I need. You've got some some insights that I need. And if we begin to see other people as valuable, um, then all of a sudden we hunger for that relationship and those connections and those insights?
1: I believe it's very important, Mike, that the church, the true followers of Christ, examine themselves to determine where they stand on this issue of divisiveness. You referenced earlier the prayer of Christ where he prayed, Father, I pray that that all these here would be one as you and I are one. Right, And not only these, but those that will be will believe in the future. But the last part of that prayer is so powerful. He says, So that the world will know that you sent me. Our first targeted audience is the church. We thrive to have these events, or we strive to have these events um, in churches so that we can get the body of Christ unified. And from there, craftly, the body of Christ is able to show the world that we are one yeah. in Christ.
0: Well, I love that. Let me let me shift gears. I want to watch our time here. Um, you talk about live events, and so real bacon, real eggs, real—you I mean, can smell it when you walk in the room. And, and so, um, as a matter of fact, you may remember that C.S. Lewis quote where he's talking about lust, and he said, if a man thinks of— of eggs and 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 smells some bacon in the morning. He may have already committed breakfast in his heart, and he's he's talking to us about, you know how how our thoughts can can be adulterous, but at any rate, I digress. But so you're usually this started out with live events, but man, COVID right at about this time last year just threw uh-huh. a big old wrench in the cogs of everybody's machines. Uh-huh. So what happened with the kingdom group and the men's unity breakfast in this COVID season as 2020 wound on?
1: Well, Mike, the COVID hit right after we had celebrated our third year anniversary of these events. So we were faced with how do we go forward? What do we do? It took us about 30 days. We came up with, we will continue to have our men's unity breakfasts, but we're gonna go virtual. We're gonna use a platform of Zoom to do this. And uh, to our surprise, it was a spectacular success. We have now, as I shared with you, come to a point where we look back and see 2020 to have been the best year in our ministry. Wow. Uh, We were able to reach others because now we're not limited to a geographical location, But, Mike, we've had guys on all the way from California up through all of the states for the most part, all over. I mean, Florida, uh, North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia, Texas, all over. And every month when we have an event, we will have multiple states in attendance. That's incredible. What a blessing.
0: Yeah. So that has allowed you to expand your footprint. But now you're going to, as, as things open up, you're hoping to multiply the in-person events as well as, as we get to a place, hopefully, where folks can gather safely and comfortably. So you mentioned um, some activity here in Virginia and in North Carolina and Texas. Tell me about what's going on in those areas as, as folks have embraced the idea of the Men's Unity Breakfast and, and the, the mission of the kingdom group.
1: In addition to being able to expand to have the events, we have partnered with several other groups. Uh, one group out of uh, Houston is called Erase Racist under the leadership of uh, Carlin Charleston. And we have partnered with him on a mission to expand what we're doing here in Louisiana throughout the country. Uh, Carlin has a van where he travels the nation promoting erase racist, he doesn't believe we ought to even fall under that trick of the devil where we're divided by racist. And we agreed back last May that he would be the, uh, uh, the the voice going forward into these other areas. In the meantime, we've had guys reach out from uh, Virginia, from North Carolina, even South Carolina, from Florida, who have said, even California, we believe this can work in our area, right? How do we do it? So we've come up with a, a formula, we come up with a program. Uh, actually it is the men's Unity network, the National men's Unity Network. and uh, people are signing up and developing core groups and probably the starting the third quarter this year, we will start having events throughout the country.
0: Wow. All right, so I want to just pause here for a moment and remind everyone that Elmo retired in 2015 or 16, I think. Right. And um, yes. so this is his retirement gig. He could be fishing in the bayou. He he could be he could be playing golf at a beautiful golf course, course, somewhere in Baton Rouge. But uh, this man is still doing the work of God. And so I want you guys to pay attention to this is what retirement should look like for men of God. <laughs> this is this may be your most fruitful ministry. Um. How, how do you deal with that?
1: Well, one of the things I, I'm very blessed with is a tremendous uh, partner in this. Uh, you may have heard in 2013, my first wife passed of uh, 43 years, and then God sent me a tremendous partner uh, who believes in what we're doing, who supports what we're doing, who pushes me, and uh, and and because of this, we're able to just do this with so much joy. Uh, When we travel, we're able to tie in a couple extra days for some sightseeing, some things of that nature, but we're constantly on the move. Yeah. Uh, so this is a blessing.
0: That's uh, that's an excellent retirement strategy. Keep doing what God yes. wants you to do. Hey, let yes. me ask you, you mentioned your book, Overcoming Racial and Cultural Barriers to Disciple Men. Um, I want you to tell folks about that, but I'll also mention you, you can order that book from your website, which is kingdomgroup.co. We'll have that in the show notes. Um, there's also a chapter in... Um, how to Disciple Men, the book from the NCMM, by that same title. So it's I would say this is an abbreviated version of what you presented in the book. Is that correct?
1: That is correct, Mike. After writing that short paragraph and it was actually a chapter, Yeah, I realized I need to expand on this more. Sure. So we did so, you know, and Yeah, and we're able to cover the topics a lot uh, deeper than we were in the original book.
0: Yeah. So tell me if uh, we have some pastors that listen to this and are encouraged by what Noble Warriors kind of um, brings to the table in terms of men's discipleship. If a pastor in a local church said, wow, I love what I'm hearing here. I would like to attempt something they may or may not connect with you. I don't know. What what advice would you give to a pastor who desires to see God's kingdom um, and, and every nation, tribe, and tongue? We don't have to wait for the ultimate eternal heaven for that. We need to be experiencing some of that here on earth. And so what advice do you have for a pastor whose heart is to see the nations worship together?
1: Good question, Mike. I would ask any pastor or ministry leader who's interested in this to consider their own heart, consider where they are as far as loving all people, regardless of ethnicity and recognizing that this is a challenge to bring people together, but we can do it. And it is God's will that we do it, Uh, but be willing to do the work, be willing to reach across the aisle. Be willing to sit with people like yourself, and sometimes you're going to hear some very disturbing things, some very challenging things, but be willing to take this on. Do not attempt, do not attempt to do what we're doing. Have heart it. Hmm. As a project, it will not work. It has to be totally what you want to do and want your church or your ministry to look like heaven.
0: How should a pastor pray into this? What, what should a... Uh, give us some insight about how a pastor could pray. I mean, you you pray for a a partner pastor from another yeah. uh, ethnicity that you could begin that process of getting to know each other at the pastoral level. Because, you know, one of the things that occurs to me is there are some uniquenesses to that calling where a, yes. two pastors might have more in common than they even understand Um and, and so there could be some real mutual encouragement there that could then trickle down into the, the flocks.
1: I believe a pastor should pray that God would open up his eyes, not his natural eyes, but the eyes of his heart to see some other pastor or ministry, maybe in his same geographical area that he can connect with. Somebody he probably is already familiar with, that he can reach out to and say, let's do something together. Let's have a men's breakfast. Let's have a a group come together. And Mike, the thing I tell pastors to not get caught up in, and I think it's a good first step, but don't get caught up in pulpit exchanges where, Mm. you know, once a month you exchange pulpits and so on. It's got to be a deeper relationship than that. Have some fellowship events between your church and the other church that's not like you. I would start off with one or two other individuals and not try to go for the masses. Again, this is a grassroots effort of what we're doing. start you know, small.
0: That is encouraging. And I, I, I just want to emphasize that point. Be careful with the, the pulpit exchange, because I think we do that sometimes. And that could in some ways be kind of tokenism, that um ha, has a sense that we're doing something but we're really not doing anything. Exactly. And and so exactly. you've got to sit down at a table, break bread together, hear each other, um not just enjoy the spectacle of someone who doesn't preach like I do and uh, a choir that doesn't sing like mine does normally. And right. so so we've got to get to the heart level. Let me let me introduce one other thing I mentioned this. I'm going to go to second Corinthians chapter chapter 5. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, is a new creation. The old is passed away. Behold, the new is come. And so we talk about racial reconciliation, and that is important, but man, Uh we would hope that this would be part of either the move toward reconciliation with Christ or the outgrowth ultimately of a changed heart that has been reconciled and wants to be been reconciled to God and wants to be reconciled to other humans. So talk about that and how reconciliation to Christ is really the cornerstone of this.
1: It is Mike. And ultimately our goal is to get people to Christ. Yeah. I mentioned earlier that when the kingdom group international started, We were all about teaching people how to evangelize and how to win people to Christ and so on. Well, when this event happened in our area, I'm convinced that God spoke to us through the Holy Spirit that what a wonderful tool of evangelism you have before you if you could bring people together and begin to teach them how to reconcile among themselves. But ultimately, what we want to do is get men and women to Christ. Yeah. We're not worried about them becoming a part of the kingdom group or even sitting having breakfast. Our goal is to make sure that you have, in fact, had a a, a genuine relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ.
0: It's one thing to invite them to breakfast. It's quite another thing to get them to go to the cross, isn't it?
1: Amen, it is. It is. <laughs> and that's why even with our vision, we make it clear that we're all about changed hearts yeah. and renewed minds building one community. Amen. That's where we are.
0: Hey, I'm going to ask you a question that's not on the list here, Elmo. I was just at breakfast with some pastors, and um, so uh, there was one pastor in particular that said, "For the last last couple days, I've wanted to quit. I am just weary and worn out dealing with challenges and frustrations." And Elmo, with a with a pastor's heart, someone who's been in the trenches for a long time. This is a hard season for pastors. It is. Um, Would you just give some encouragement or wisdom to uh, a pastor who is uh, maybe worn out? And and men, too. I think there are lots of guys, lots of folks Uh in our midst who are depressed, or discouraged, a little disheartened about just the chaos in our country that's caused by a lot of things. So what, what encouragement would you bring to someone? I know I'm coming out of left field with this, but I, I figure you're up to it, friend.
1: That's good. I am. I would encourage all leaders, all pastors, men's leaders, someone to not be afraid to take a step back, mm. to take a step away from the game, and seek god's directions guidance and his motivation his strength um mike as long as we got our head in the game sometimes we don't truly see the toll that the game is taking on us and it's not until we take a step back and be sure that we're truly following what god is directing us to do because you're right there's so much going on in our world today one of the things i've had to do is get more focused on what is it that God wants me to do and not trying to have my hand in everything. And I've had to resign from some boards. I've had to give the bad news to some people that I can't do this any longer because it's taking a toll on me. And finally, another thing I would share with pastors is, and Mike, I am 71 years old. I say this very, very um, emphatically, take care of your health. Yeah. I don't have physical issues. I go to the gym daily. I'm just trying to make sure my heart and my body is in tune with what God wants me to do. That's, That's awesome. my advice.
0: That's awesome. All right. Hey, listen, folks, if you want to get back in touch with Elmo, uh, we're going to put the information about his website, his book, um, his information in the show notes so you can follow up with that. Um, and I got to tell you, I, I know Elmo personally, and I bet that if you reached out to this guy and said, hey, I would love to have a conversation about with you about how I could do this in my town, I bet Elmo would get back in touch with you personally and you could enjoy the wisdom and encouragement of Elmo Winters. Um, just a good friend. Elmo, thank you for your time and for what you're doing. I uh, almost failed to mention, um, you guys have a podcast as well called, is it Building the Bridge? Is that what it's called? That's correct. Yes, it's yeah. building the bridge.
1: And again, if one goes to our website, you can connect to all these areas yeah. as well. Yeah, connect to our podcast, and it's where we basically do commentary like you're doing, as well as interviewing uh, people that are like us, who are bridge builders.
0: Yeah. So thank bridge God. builders. Hey, that's a that's a mandate for us all. Go build a bridge to yes. someone else today. Amen. So uh, God bless Amen. you. Well, Elmo, thanks again for your time. I appreciate you, brother, and um, God bless you.
1: God bless you. Thank you for having us on. And uh, I just pray that people will reach out. We do everything we can to continue the work God has given us to do.
0: Amen. Even in retirement. Don't forget that, guys. Even in retirement. (laughs) Well, folks, this brings us to a conclusion of episode number 49 of the Noble Man podcast. Tune in next week for episode 50. We're going to continue our conversations on how do we reach men. This is a critical challenge for us in the church today. How do we reach men? And so we're going to continue to work on that next time with the Nobleman Podcast. God bless you, friends.